It's time for Sports Wrap on 760 WJR. All right, this is the wrap on 760 WJR. To a car phone we go. Dave, thanks for hanging on. You're on 760. Gentlemen, and Steve and Dan, you got the chemistry. It's cooking. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Are you calling us from your office? I'm doing Sports Center tonight with Are you uh, really? Dan Patrick. Well, yes. I'm very impressed. By the way, give Dan our best. He's a good man. And, I will. Uh, hey, uh, hey, Dan, Chuck Swirsky says hi. This is the best sports rap has ever been, in my opinion. Now, here's your host, Chris Renwick. Uh, we've told you, I don't know how many countless times, the sycophants that we are on this show. Well, maybe, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't speak for Nick Roddy. Maybe that's out of. Maybe that's out of turn. Uh, the sycophant I am for college football. Well, we are. I mean, we're just days. We're 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 so close to college football, and things are starting to work themselves out here in the state of Michigan. Obviously, with with Michigan State and with Michigan, and things are starting to fall into place. Some of these puzzle pieces are starting to go in. And uh, to get a closer look at what the Wolverines are up to in Ann Arbor, we talked to our good friend uh, Angelique Shangalis uh, out at the Detroit News. Angelique, good evening to you. Chris, good evening. Uh, you know, in about a week, we'll be talking about yeah. football games happening in this area, I, which will be really I, fun I, to do with, with fans. That's what I, you know, the well, I was going to say football games with, with fans. fans. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, it, so there have been a number of things that I think needed to be sorted out. Uh, this camp uh, for the Wolverines. Obviously, I, th- I think number one, I think everybody will point to the quarterback position, but I think getting that defense right after last year, obviously with 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 the the late addition of a coordinator uh, late into the game after your your coordinator leaves for another job was troubling. Um, so installing a new system after the installation was already underway in another system. Uh, I think there were some some you know red flags there for for Michigan fans, but then throw into the fact that last year, I mean they they had a lot of issues on, on every level of that defense, particularly in the secondary with their corners. Um, I'm curious to know what you're hearing out of camp and 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 kind of what what the defense feels, what where they feel like they're at heading into the season. Chris, I totally agree with you. I mean, I I think that it's always the popular discussion point is you know who's the quarterback where does that stand but but you're right this year it is Michigan's defense and and for many of the reasons you just mentioned and you know they they parted ways with Don Brown after last season and brought in Mike McDonald a young guy he's never coordinated defense Um, he came from the, the Baltimore Ravens we suspect observing you know just listening to what the coaches have told us and the players that this will look a little bit like the Ravens. I mean, certainly different personnel, but um, but it sounds like the players have really responded to this, and, and the coaching and the staff has been almost completely revamped. I mean, Jim Harbaugh did made a lot of changes in the offseason, but mostly on that defensive side, and, and Sean Nua, the defensive line coach, is the only, only assistant coach returning from the defensive staff from last year. And they brought in a lot of, of younger guys. And, and, you know, you're right. There was a departure after uh, spring ball. It, it going to the Buffalo, uh, taking over as head coach at Buffalo. And, and they brought in Steve Klinkscale, which I think is, is an upgrade. And he's a guy from Kentucky who's done really well uh, coaching the secondary down there in the SEC. And he's an excellent recruiter. And he's brought a um, – I think he's he's – really a credible and, and an excellent recruiter. And they, I think they really added with that hire 
Well, you know, it's we're just going to find out in a week what this defense at least get a hint of what it's going to look like. I don't think they're going to show all their cards, but it's really hard to know what this defense is going to look like. Yeah, and I think one of the other interesting storylines that, that you had just uh, put up a couple of days ago was um, Nakai Hill-Green earning that starting linebacker role. I think that's another big piece to this defense, obviously outside the secondary, where there were some question marks at that linebacker spot, but he looks to be filling one of those uh, starting roles, I think, at the will. Yes, you're right, and he is really impressive. Had a chance to talk to him recently and and he's just really sharp and and he really spent the offseason transforming his body and and really throwing himself at 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 film study and understanding this playbook and this this defense and the changes they're making um he he was impressive to talk to and again you know those are words it'll it's different how it translates to the field but from all accounts from talking to his teammates and and talking to his position coach George Shilo another new addition to the staff uh, I, I think he's really going to be a guy who's going to be a difference maker. And, and then you look at the returning guys like Aiden Hutchinson and certainly Dax Hill at safety, who's going to be used in a lot of different ways. Both players will really be, in, in, in my mind, the, the centerpieces of this defense, and they will be very versatile and, and used in various ways. Um, they've got some good pieces there. And, and the Kai Hill Green, as you mentioned, is one of those. And it's just a matter of how quickly – they will get this all together. And, you know, I think they're going to have to hope that the, the offense clicks very quickly to, to give this defense some time to breathe and, and to flex their muscles and, and figure out just where they're going to go with, with what Mike McDonald wants to install here. Now let's get to the offense because I think there are still some questions there. I think, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's a, a shock that Cade gets the starting uh, uh, signal caller role. I think, uh, it, from what I'd been hearing, uh, obviously JJ McCarthy put up, put up a good fight, but he's just not quite there yet. And, and it sounds like Kate has a much better command of the offense. Is that, is that about right? Yeah, I think that's very fair. And I think JJ's upside is, is very high. And, and I think that he will get a chance to play. And, and I would think that that would be the objective is to get him on the field during this non-conference. Um, you got they open obviously with Western Michigan. They've got Washington, but Northern Illinois, Rutgers even to open the Big Ten. There's going to be some some chances and opportunities there for JJ McCarthy to get his feet wet in game action. But yeah, I mean Kate Kate McNamara has really distinguished himself among his teammates as, as a leader, and he really has shouldered it. He enjoys it. Um, Again, does that mean it translates to wins? Yeah, who knows? But I think he's got the skill set and. He reminds me a little bit, not so much, you know, I, th- they're, I think they're a little bit different, but just reminds me a little bit of Brian, Brian Greasy and that kind of uh, really smart guy, makes really good decisions, doesn't make a lot of mistakes, has a has a fine arm. It may not be the, the strongest, but you know, he's going to get the job done, the kind of arm. And, and I think that that's what they're going to hope that uh, the Cade McNamara provides. Yeah, and I think he sees the field well, which which goes to mm-hmm. what you just said about not making, you know, kind of ill ill gotten throws. And I think he's he's pretty well, he's pretty much in control back there. He doesn't get too high and too low, and I think that's important. And and in that backfield with them, he's going to have, in my mind, a, a couple of really good running backs. Obviously, Hassan Haskins will probably be your starting running back, but. But Blake Corum is a guy last year in in a rough season, a, a shortened season that 
showed flashes that that showed that he belongs here and he's going to be a, a real contributor here. But then, you know, you throw in Donovan Edwards to the mix, the true freshman, uh, and and it seems like he's going to get some time too. But but you've got re- two guys that I think are going to be able to run the football pretty well uh, uh, behind a, an offensive line that I think should be pretty good. Um, and then and then you throw in Donovan Edwards, and I think that he's going to come along this year too. Exactly my assessment, Chris. I mean, I, I really, I, I really think these are going to be strengths. I think the offensive line is going to be good, and, and there is some depth there. I mean, there were a lot of combinations in those six games for that offensive line last year because of injuries and because of COVID protocols, and they had to get a lot of guys on the field. And and I think this does bode well in terms of experience and and depth going into this season. But with that backfield, and you throw in my cart now. Michigan's all-time leading mm-hmm. rusher, coaching these guys, came from Indiana where he spent the last four years, and he's a, he's a very sharp guy. And, and I think he's really he's getting the most out of these these running backs, particularly these three. And, and you're right. I think Donovan Edwards, I mean, Jim Harbaugh has said that he will be in that first game. And, and Hart, Mike Hart was a little more coy when we talked to him about, well, yeah, he'll be good, but when? And he'll be on the field, so. A little bit of coach speak there because I don't think I think he's going to be too. It's going to be tough to keep him off the field. But but you're right. Haskins and Corum are are proving commodities. Haskins more so for the reasons you, you said. I mean, Corum got in there some last year, but it was an abbreviated season. But I, I think that they're going to be very good in the run game, and and that will take pressure off of Cade McNamara and give him some time to to do what he needs to do and, and to make those those throws and and be accurate. And uh, and obviously that all ties in with the offensive line. To me, that's where it all starts. I mean, you know, I, I think if, if they can get sound protection and, and these guys open holes, I, I think that this bodes well for Michigan's offense. But, again, it also comes down to the play calling. And Josh Gaddis is, is in his third year now, and I, I think he has a lot to prove. We talk about Jim Harbaugh has a lot to prove, but, but so does Josh Gaddis. Yeah, and, and I think that's kind of where I was going next. I, you know, one of the – as a, you know, if you're a Michigan fan listening to some of the things that came out of Big Ten Media Days and, and Aiden Hutchinson and some of the other guys that were there, it's like, look, we're going to start putting a, 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 an emphasis on Ohio State. And I'm just sitting here thinking, well, where has that been the last seven years? Where has that been the last, you know, not, it, it, the, the, it almost seemed like there just wasn't an emphasis. And so I'm curious to know from your perspective, how much of an emphasis now uh, maybe even compared to the last three years, let's just say, how much more of an emphasis are they putting into beating some of their rivals, be it Ohio State or Michigan State? Well, I agree with you, Chris. You know, it was as someone who grew up in Ohio, um, you know, Michigan Ohio State game was always a big deal, um, a huge deal. And and I talked to so many people I know in Columbus, and and I think all the, everybody knows those stories about. When Urban Meyer was there, now with Ryan Day, I mean, it, it is a constant focus. And I was just always sort of surprised with Jim Harbaugh, a guy who guaranteed a victory in 86, just didn't talk about it much. I mean, you try to ask him game week, and he just, you know, he just kind of avoided that. So it was refreshing to hear them talking about this at Big Ten Media Days. And and look, I think that they, they've always known the importance of, of the rivalry games at Michigan State and Ohio State. Um, but you know, have they, have they had that daily focus and seeing signs, you know, what have you done to beat Ohio state today? Uh, they haven't had that and now they yeah. do. And, and it, it was important to hear them talking about it. And, 
You know, mm-hmm. and I thought Aiden Hutchinson made a good point. Hey, it's not like, hey, we just suddenly realized we got to beat Michigan State and Ohio State. But right. I think talking about it and making it a focus and, and stressing, you know, they, they, they know that if they focus for Ohio State, that means in their mind that they're focusing on the other games too. Because if you beat the, sure. the kingpin there, then you're probably going to have a pretty good season. And so um, they certainly have not taken their, their sights off of Michigan State. But, um, but clearly, uh, you know, the focus is always Michigan-Ohio State. And, uh, yeah. and, and it was nice to hear them talking about it for a change. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let, let me, let's do like the, the standard uh, talk radio buzz here. Right. Uh, what, what, uh, what are you expecting of this team this year? G- give me a, 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 a win loss record that, that you think is realistic for this team. Well, not seeing this defense and not really, you know, not getting a chance to see it in spring ball. I, I think it's, it's, I'm still up in the air. I have, I have fluctuated between six wins and eight wins. So I'm, uh, you know, I could I could make a case for both, but I'm going to stick with seven and five, and and I think that they're probably going to get a win that I don't expect, and they're going to get a loss that I I don't expect, and I don't know which ones. I thought maybe Northwestern would be tough, and they just lost a couple key players. Uh, they have a tough schedule. That last uh, that last uh, month is is really tough. The Indiana at home and back to back road games at Penn mm-hmm. State and Maryland and. You know, people might roll their eyes at Maryland, but that's a team that always – they've had some great talent. It's just can they get it together, you know, and and be that shocking win over Michigan a week before Ohio State. So um, I'm looking at seven wins right now. I could make a case for six. I could make a case for eight, but I'm going to stick with seven. Well, those are all awful numbers. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me let me ask you this. Give me a one-word answer here, Angelique. Ready? Okay. If they go seven, if they win seven games, is Jim Harbaugh back next year as head coach? Yes. All right. Fair enough. You don't. Do you want Angelique to next Don't. <laughs> I All think right. It, G- me, you got Michigan. ten seconds. Okay. Need ten seconds. What do you got? State. They, they got to beat Michigan State, and in a loss to Ohio State, it has to be respectable. If that's the if that's seven wins, then I I think he sticks. All right. Fair enough. Angelique, always good talking with you. Thank you for the time. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. All right. There she is. Angelique Shangalis over at the Detroit News. Uh, all right. Uh, more to come here on Sports Wrap coming up next. Uh, and uh, I, you're not going to want to miss it. We got NFL talk. We got a lot to do tonight. So don't go anywhere. Uh, Chris Renwick, Nick Roddy, Sports Wrap right here on WJR. We'll see you back here in a second. Back to more sports rap presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. You know, there are just so many storylines this NFL season, and we're just days away. But I, I, you know, when we're Nick and I are trying to trying to hash out so many issues, and we got to get an expert in here, we got to talk to somebody who knows the league, knows what's going on. And so we tapped our good friend Solomon Wilcox, of course, former longtime NFL player, former CBS NFL network analyst, and now currently with Sirius XM NFL radio, also with Pro Football Focus. He's got his hand in everything, and he joins us this evening on Sports Wrap. Solomon, good to have you on. Great to be on with you. I uh, hope you're having a wonderful day. Uh, we're, we're, we're doing well. And look, here's the thing is, 
I, I got a whole list of, of, of items that I want to get to you, uh, get your opinion on and get your, uh, your insight on. And, and I want to start, uh, you know, kind of close to home here. Obviously, uh, Matthew Stafford has been a, a was, was a mainstay for the Lions for many, many years. Always very consistent play. One of the things that he brought to this team was a toughness at that position. And, and being a quarterback, you got to be tough. You got to be tough both physically and mentally. And he was always that way for us. And, and so now with, with, with him moving over to L.A. and taking over the, the Rams' uh, signal caller, caller duties, Jared Goff steps into the role here, kind of a revamped roster, and there's still a long way to go here for this Lions team in terms of being really competitive, at least in my mind. But something that we haven't seen from, from this organization and, and certainly – with coaching staffs in the past is, is a, a, a certain, you know, they, this new coaching staff headed up by Dan Campbell, there, there's a certain, um, uh, I don't know if swagger is the right word, but they know what they want. They know what they're looking for in players and they're very decisive in that. I'm curious to know um, what you think of, of this new coaching staff uh, and, and, and all of the coaches that have been brought on board with, you know, extensive college, extensive NFL experience what are you seeing, you know, from, you know, certain traits from this uh, regime that, that maybe, uh, you know, is piquing the interest of some, you know, NFL talking heads around the league? Well, I, I think, first of all, you love the selection of the coaches and even in the front office with Brad Holmes and the general manager, you're, you're talking years of experience at the NFL level. You're talking people who are great talent evaluators. You're talking coaches who are um, good at developing players and coaching players and understanding the dynamics of what NFL players go through in the offseason, the business side, and the more personal side. Aaron Glenn is a phenomenal young man. He played at Texas A&M, played for the Jets, um, and I remember him as a young player. He was always a very mature, very cerebral player. Anthony Lynn is the same way, very cerebral, very personable in how they conduct themselves, but also how they relate to others. And Dan Campbell, I think, is just a phenomenal leader. Here's a guy that came up under Bill Parcells, came up under Sean Payton, came up under some really good coaches, and has an idea of what kind of program he wants to run. And so now I think it's up to the apparatus in Detroit, the ownership group, I mean, is to give them time to grow and to let it, uh, let it grow some roots. And, and don't worry about the record right now or even next year or even the third year because the Lions' biggest problem is that they continue to turn it over. It's like planting a tree and then uprooting the tree every two, three years and then planting another tree, then uprooting it two or three years and then wonder – Five, seven, ten years later, this tree hadn't grown. <laughs> you keep uprooting it. And, and I think that's what Matthew Stafford, that's what grew. He grew tired of that process of buying into a new regime, only to have them change the regime and then bring in another. And he's always starting from scratch, but the clock is ticking on his career. And I think it happened to Calvin Johnson. I think it happened to Barry Sanders. And I think you have to take that big picture look and say, what have we done wrong over a 20-year span that we could do better? And I think that's one thing they could do. Allow these coaches, the front office group, 
allow them all to be able to build a program, which is a process that doesn't work overnight. It's not a key that you turn and it just turns on. You allow it to ferment, to grow, and that's how you change a culture. That's how you build something that's substantive and long-lasting. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, you know, and and us fans, we can get so uh, we can get so impatient, and 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 you got to give it up to Lions fans because they'll pack Ford Field every week. But my goodness, uh, we are absolutely starving for a winner here. So I think it's a good point, and I I, I do believe at least things that we've heard, people we we've, we've spoken to that the organization is at least committed to seeing this thing out for a few years, seeing what these guys can do, because they got a lot of work to do with this roster and it's not going to be able to happen in the next, you know, year, year and a half, two years, and maybe even three, this is going to be a process. So I think that's a great point. And and speaking of Stafford, you know, he goes out to, to LA, you know, certainly an upgrade over Jared Goff. And, and he's got a lot of weapons out there, obviously, uh, Sean McVay in, in the way that, that he runs that organization and the way that he coaches is a really fun style that a lot of players like. Uh, they got a good defense. They got a good offense. And I think Stafford's going to fit in well there. What do you say? Oh, I think Matt, no, I think Stafford will fit in perfectly. It's a team that's ready to go. They've got leaders, you know, Robert Woods, um, Andrew Whitworth, um, guys on defense like Aaron, uh, Aaron Donald and, and Jalen Ramsey, and I think Matthew Stafford will fit in perfectly. You know, he's got good friends play for the Dodgers who know the lay of the land there, right? <laughs> so Clayton Kershaw yeah. is a former high school buddy. So he, you know, Matthew Stafford, if you think about what he and his wife and what they meant to the people in Detroit and, and how they wanted to really be a part of that community and all the things they went through and suffered through and, you know, I, I just think they're good quality people. And Matthew Stafford has talent. He's a tough guy, as you mentioned. He's uh, from the neck up. I think he's uh, he's phenomenal. And I think he's it's just going to be a really good fit between he and Sean uh, and Sean McVay. And as you well know, um, Kyle Shanahan wanted a bite of that apple too. That because they both sure looked did. at the tape. They, and they know what they're looking at, and they said, man, I'd love to have this guy. <laughs> and so Sean McVay won the day. You know, Solomon, we're joined by Solomon Wilcox, uh, currently with Sirius XM Radio, NFL Radio, and, and Pro Football Focus. You know, one of the great things about Matthew Stafford from a Rams perspective is you talked a little bit about the turnover here in Detroit and a lot of coaching staff. Stafford went through a number of offensive coordinators, had to uh, relearn a number of offenses and cadences and, and plays and to to adjust to the coordinators. Um, so I, I, don't, I have very little doubt that he's going to be able to uh that if he hasn't already by the time kickoff goes for game one he's going to know that offense inside and out and they're going to be a ready-made offense yeah no he'll he'll, that's why i said from the neck up he's a bright guy and you know that because he had to play so many different offenses and so many different systems that he's Mm kind of been there done that over a 12-year career and so I just think he's going to be phenomenal. And, uh, yeah, he'll fit into that uh, right away. He'll he'll do well. Totally agree. Hey, Solomon, do me a favor. Hang tight with me. I got a lot more questions for you. I want to hit on some of this Jamar Chase stuff coming out of Bengals camp. And I want to talk to you about some of these players that, that maybe uh, are maybe a step behind some of these other guys that didn't 
opt out their last year in college. Got some questions about Urban Meyer, some of these rookie quarterbacks. If you could hang tight with me. Uh, I want to get to some of those things on the other side of this break. Chris Renwick, Nick Roddy, continuing here on Sports Rep on WJR. Don't go anywhere. Now back to more Sports Rap. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. All right, welcome back. Joined by my guy Solomon Wilcox, former CBS, former NFL Network analyst, of course, longtime NFL player, and now currently with Sirius XM uh, NFL Radio and, of course, Pro Football Focus. Solomon, one of my, one of the, the I think, biggest storylines coming out of the draft this year was the number of high-quality you know, rookie quarterbacks that are going to be in this league this year. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence going number one, but guys like Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, all in the mix for – for t- that are kind of expected to be really solid players in year one. I'm, I'm curious to know what you think of uh, maybe who you think could be kind of the best of the bunch this year one. Who, who's kind of your diamond in the rough here? Mac Jones has looked phenomenal, by the way. I don't know if you guys have seen mm-hmm. um, him work in the joint practice sessions that they've had with the Giants this week. He was phenomenal. Um, and just the other day, he completed 21 of 23 passes, um, had a streak of 18 straight passes that he completed, and even got a high five from Bill Belichick, something you don't always get. You know, he, Belichick doesn't throw bouquets around, but I think, I think <laughs> Mac Jones is going to be incredible. Um, I think uh, Justin Fields has an opportunity to be gr- uh, not good but great. Um, and I think Trey Lance, it may take him a little bit longer within that offense. I don't expect him to start or beat out Jimmy Garoppolo. Trevor Lawrence, I think he's in a tough situation because I don't think the team's going to win a lot of games. But I think he is supremely talented. I think he's the most talented of the group. He just landed in a situation that maybe not as favorable for early success, much like when Baker Mayfield first landed in Cleveland. That may take some time. And it's tough for quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, to weather the storm of going to a team when you're the first overall pick now. You don't necessarily go to the best team. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great point. And then uh, also uh, with, with, with uh, first-year NFL head coach Urban Meyer, obviously an incredible pedigree in, the NFL, in, in college football, we've seen that doesn't always translate. Uh, but there are have, have certainly been uh, uh, coaches that have made that jump that have been successful. Uh, do, how do you expect Urban Meyer to handle that, and you expect him to, to find some success in Jacksonville? Yeah, you know, Urban Meyer, there's some growing pains right now, but yeah, he's done some wonderful things. I think anytime you go from college to the pro game, there's some things you're going to have to learn. You're coaching grown men. Um, these aren't recruits where you once uh, sat into their living rooms and talked to their parents to convince them, you know, let me go in and, and take your kid uh, and bring them to college where you have to really nurture them in a different way. These are grown men that you've got to respect is reciprocal. You have to give them respect if you expect to get it. I think he understands that. He's a tremendous leader, and I think he's well-organized, great administrator. He's already come in and changed the um, sports complex there, um, mm-hmm. and I think he's doing a lot to show the players that he cares, that he understands them. And now it's just going to take some time to turn around a culture uh, for a team that won only one game one year ago. So 
Those things don't turn on a dime. It takes a little bit of time to get them going in the right direction. Yeah, and, and you know, speaking of, of the college game, there were a number of, of high-level players uh, that were picked, you know, in the top 10, certainly in the first round in this draft that, that decided to opt out last year. And there were a lot of questions whether or not that there would be, you know, some growing pains, some bumpy roads for them as they got into the NFL after after sitting out a season at, at their respective colleges. One of the guys that has been made headlines for all the wrong reasons out in Cincinnati has been Jamar Chase. He, he just hasn't looked sharp, hasn't looked like the receiver that he was uh, two years ago at LSU uh, with with Burroughs. But um, I, I, I anticipate he'll, he will find his footing at some point. Plus, it's hard for receivers to break into the NFL and be, you know, impact players from day one. But I'm curious to know what you think about not only Jamar Chase and, and some of the reports that we're seeing from him out of camp, but also for a lot of these players that have that have decided to opt out last year and now making the jump to the NFL this year. Yeah, you know, I couldn't imagine what it would have been like at 20, 21 years old coming out of college into the NFL. And I didn't even play the, the, the my final year in college. I, I couldn't imagine mm-hmm. Um, you know, trying to do that. It would have to be very difficult because your timing, your sense of, of place, and your sense of confidence, um, I think it would be challenging. Speed, and certainly, I'm sorry? And, and and the speed of the game, too. When, when I mean, going from, you know, normally your college, your last college season to the NFL, is a, the, the speed is so different. Um, but when, you're, when you sit out a whole year, the, the, the speed must be incredible. All of those things, it, it would be challenging enough, right? If, you know, if you did play. But if you didn't, I think it would be doubly challenging. If, for someone like Panay Sewell, the Detroit Lions first-round mm-hmm. pick, who sat out all of last year, um, and, and obviously you mentioned it, Cincinnati Bengals first-round pick this year, Jamar Chase, who played with Joe Burrow at LSU. He comes out of a system that was a pro-style system at LSU. Um, to give you an idea of how ready-made – um, the receivers are that come out of that system. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. had played at LSU, mm-hmm. hit the ground running with the Giants as a first-round pick. Jarvis mm-hmm. Landry came out of that system when he was a first when he was a pick with the uh, Miami Dolphins and hit the ground running and had a very successful streak in his early years in the NFL. Last year, Justin Jefferson, the first-round pick for the uh, Minnesota Vikings, came out of that same program with Jamar Chase. Right. So I can tell you right now, it would be shocking for the Bengals if Jamar Chase um, was to have a disappointing rookie campaign, given the um, program that he played in collegiately, given the fact that the last guy that threw him a touchdown pass in the college game is the same guy that he's playing with now in the NFL, Joe Burrow. He had 20 receptions for touchdowns in 2019. Mm But he sat out all of the 2020 season. And so while it may take a little time to adjust to those things you and I just talked about, um, there's no way I don't think I would even sit here now knowing that he's had multiple drops in preseason games and in practice. I I expect those things to rectify themselves with the amount of reps he's going to get every day in practice. We've talked extensively about the, the, the league's COVID policies and some of the, the efforts that they're trying to make to get players vaccinated. I know that you, you're partnering with a local company in Aditext, um and, and talking about uh, COVID-19 testing. I know you've been vaccinated. Talk to me about that partnership that you've uh, developed. Yeah, I'm, I'm representing Aditex 
Um, and they're really about immune health. And, you know, the NFL right now, um, it's players and staff, you know, just like the rest of the U.S. population, you know, they're faced with these binary choices of deciding between vaccination or non-vaccination. And uh, knowing your immunity score, I think it helps to provide a third option uh, to, you know, to provide protection against COVID-19. And I'll tell you my quick story. Back in March, I received the J&J vaccination. And for nearly two months, I was walking around. I thought I was protected from the COVID-19 virus. And then the people at Atatex, they asked me, to submit a small blood sample, just a prick of my finger, all right, to uh, get the test. I sent it back in, and uh, they helped me to understand that I had not developed enough neutralizing antibodies to protect me from COVID-19. The results showed a very low score, revealed that I wasn't protected. So then in July, I went and received the second vaccination. This time it was the first dosage of the Pfizer vaccine. Ten days later, um, I submitted another blood sample to Atatex, and uh, the production of neutralizing antibodies had increased drastically. It revealed that uh, I was protected, so now I was able to be confident um, that I was protected. That's why we're seeing now, even in the NFL, players who have been vaccinated still testing positive for COVID-19. Now, the symptoms aren't nearly as severe, but we believe that through Atatex, Knowing your immunity score, in other words, knowing if you have neutralizing antibodies to protect you from the virus, that's where the true comfort level and true security comes from. And so all you have to do is go to the website, www.adatexscore.com. That's A-D-I-T-X-T score, S-C-O-R-E.com. If you want to learn more, the people in the great state of Michigan, and you got to know about the Great Lakes Medical Laboratory there in Detroit. Uh, you can go in and get your immunity score and know if you are protected against COVID-19 and the Delta variant. It's, I mean, look, it's really, like you said, it's the reassurance that I think uh, a lot of people are looking for. And heck, I got to imagine even some of these guys in the NFL would would find some solace in that number. Solomon, I, I, I've enjoyed talking to you immensely. I hope that you'll come back and and uh, break some, some of these storylines down as we continue on into this NFL season. Thanks so much for your time. You know I will. Thanks for having me. Keep up the great work. All right, you got it. There he is, Solomon Wilcots, former CBS, former NFL Network analyst, now... Uh, he's the guy over at Sirius XM NFL Radio and, of course, all of his work at Pro, uh, Pro Football Focus. Uh, always appreciate talking to Solomon. All right, more sports wrap continuing uh, here on WJR Next. Back to more sports rap. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. All right, welcome back. Um, you know, talking to Solomon Wilcox and Angelique, and uh, we'll talk we'll talk more Spartans tomorrow in depth for you. Um, but geez, I'll tell you, uh, I am I'm excited. I'm just, I'm excited to get back to football and it's a weird time of year 
because you never want to wish away summer. You never want to wish it away here. We got great summers here in Michigan. You never want to wish it away. But fall is great, and that means football's here, and it just makes it better. And I, I don't know. I'm just excited. And as bad as I think the Lions are going to be, I'm excited to see what this this new new look Lions looks like. What they feel like. I'm I'm just I I don't know. Maybe I'm and maybe this is just the optimistic football fan in me before the any season starts. Um. But I'm really looking forward to, to to this Lions team and obviously college football. Nick, Nick, what are you what are you most excited to see about this Lions team? Like, uh, what are you looking for? I'm excited to to go to a game and with and, fans and have fans there. Yeah, um, I don't know. I'm just excited for the new regime. Like we've been stuck in the the Matthew uh, the Matt Patricia Bob Quinn regime for the past three years. I'm excited for something like different. Yeah, <laughs> you're telling me. <laughs> uh, I'm excited for something different, um, and and maybe I'll regret that uh, a few weeks in, but I don't know. I, I think it'll be fun. Um, I, I think this is the preseason optimistic outlook that that us. Yeah, and they're not going to win a ton Lions of games. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, we were so used to kind of seeing the same thing with this Lions team. Uh Right. Their defense can't stop anyone. They've historically bad <laughs> right. defenses. And it, it, yeah, it's I yeah. mean you you mentioned with Solomon Wilcots, the coaching staff that this uh Lions team has, maybe that can make a difference for once. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. That's kind yeah. of their job, competent right? Coaching. Competent coaching can make a difference. Yeah. <laughs> go figure. Uh, you Are you going to any Michigan games, the, uh, uh, Chris? Are you gonna go to any Michigan games? Well, I do, I do, uh, you know, I do play by play. I do a college football play by play for the Siena Heights Saints. Um, so no, I won't be getting to any Michigan games. My, my Michigan experience during the fall over the last five or six years has been DVRing it and then watching it later. They've got to have or a rushing n- home. They've got to have a night game, game or like something. It. Yeah. Yeah. If they, if I, if, if I've got like a noon kick, um, and Michigan plays at like three 30. Um, usually I'll record the game. I'll book it home after my game and then I'll start it on the recording and then catch up live and then finish out the game that way. Um, or, or you'll you know, be or done I'll by half time or, or I'll be done by half. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or <laughs> depending on how this thing starts out, I may not even get to the second half yeah. of the season. We'll see. I mean, seven and five, like <laughs> Angelique said, Yikes. Ah, yikes. What, what, do you have a, a prediction? Um, Yeah, it's about right. I mean, I yeah, seven, eight wins is what I'm thinking. And, and you know, if you beat Michigan State, that's a plus. If you, if you can't, if you can't hack it against Ohio, I mean, like, again, if you get run off the field for a third game in a row against the Buckeyes, ah, yikes. But we'll talk, you know, I, we'll, we'll, we'll do a little more college football talk tomorrow. I want to get a little more involved. Uh, and I want to talk about the Spartans because, you know, for as uh, as good as they looked in spots last year, I'm curious if that's going to be something that we can expect from the green and white going forward. Uh, and obviously you're a Spartan, so I want to get your input on that as well. But it's going to be interesting to see what Mel Tucker can do with this team 
uh, now that he's got really like a full season technically under his belt, but exploiting a lot of the transfer portal stuff. Uh, so we'll get into that tomorrow. Uh, have yourself a wonderful evening tonight. We'll be back here tomorrow, 6 o'clock. Don't go uh, anywhere too far from me. We'll talk to you then.